0: Postcast episode seven, just a mere 143 episodes behind Knifey Lion Radio. And if Jonah does indeed hang it up after this year, it'll take us a mere 4.75 seasons to catch him. I think I did some math anyway. (laughs) Uh, We've got a full show uh, for you guys today, three parts per usual. Part one, we're breaking down the thrilling. 4-3 defeat at the hands of the club, formerly known as Club de Foot Montreal. We'll talk Vasquez going to a national team. We'll pick out retirement homes for our center backs. And in part two... Oh boy, we got him, Jeff Reuter, coming on the podcast, and yes, we did ask him why he hates FC Cincinnati, and he makes a pitch for loaning out Brenner. Part three, we're going to talk a little subreddit spam, there's a World Cup draw, we're going to talk Dream Open Cup opponents, and a Portland update, because, you know, this is half an FC Cincinnati podcast, half a Portland legal podcast. Uh, With me, as always, two wonderful contributors of the Post-Cincy. We've got the Mr. Anderson of football reference, the anomaly of Statsbaum and the chosen one of who scored Grayson. Or are we calling you Lee these days?
1: <laughs> I had a, had a little bit of a security breach. So we'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure this out. I'm still still processing through it. Um, somebody, somebody broke kayfabe. You can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I saw, it's funny you bring that up. I always expect... I was explaining to my wife that, you know, if it gets a little animated in here, it's okay Um, because of, because, you know, of of kayfabe and I had to explain what that was and then I explained like what a heel is and what a face is and she's like, well, remember, you're a face, not a heel.
2: (laughs) Honey, it's WrestleMania weekend. Everything's fair
0: game. <laughs> I think this is when somebody from CST busts in, their music starts playing and throws one of us out of the ring. Um <laughs> and and also joining us, of course, we have the chief warpig. And chief, I need you to be honest with me. Did you know Montreal's official name last year was Club de Foot Montreal? And did you know this year they dropped the Club de Foot and are only going by CF Montreal? I mean,
2: did they get tired of the Rex Ryan jokes after one season? Is that what was going on here?
0: <laughs> club, club from foot Montreal, I think, is what that means. So, so now, they're a,
1: now they're now a citation for a source that's not directly on point, but kind of supports what you're trying to say.
2: Is there so a better yeah, metaphor than ML- MLS than that right there, though? <laughs> it kind of supports what you're saying, but not really when it comes to soccer. <laughs>
0: It was, I mean, I I appreciate the rebranded effort. I think I'm the only person on the internet who likes the new crest. I, I think the snowflake design is neat, um. but it's amazing.
2: It looks like an anus. Let's be real here.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's hard to do arrows pointing in in a circle. Um, Somebody's read
1: Slaughterhouse-Five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs>
2: big Vonnegut fans on the pod today <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god um, well speaking of a firebombing uh, this match on Saturday goals galore seven goals uh, look FC Cincinnati was not a very good team the last few years, and all fans wanted was an entertaining product, right? And we have it, you know. If this team is gonna lose now, at least they're losing with some style. The five nothing loss to Austin, you got to see five goals, you know. You got your money's worth there. But um... (laughs)
2: as long as you don't give a shit who scored them, I mean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm presuming on some level we're fans of the sport, but uh, Chief, it was an exciting game. But who are you blaming in this 4-3 loss? Uh, I have to give credit
2: to a number of people for this this opus. Uh, the back line was terrible. Um, the back line on this team looked old. It looked slow. Uh, you watch these goals that got scored, uh, especially the goals in the first half. And Nick Hagelin can't stay in front of somebody. And Mihailovic curls. Admittedly, a great shot. But... Haglund sees too much of the ball, doesn't follow the man, and all of a sudden he's beaten for a shot. You blink again after we score, and it's Jeff Cameron standing flat-footed, thinking he's keeping a high line, while everybody else is 5 to 10 yards behind him, and then all of a sudden the ball's over his head, and it's in the back of the net. Uh, Later on in the match on another goal, Haglund gets caught ball-watching, Kubo gets caught ball-watching. the de- the defense was atrocious, and they exploited it all game with speed down the flanks. They knew their game plan coming into this was that they can't run with us, so we're going to sit back, we'll absorb a little bit of pressure, we'll look to counter at every opportunity, we'll look to move in transition at every opportunity, and our back line just wasn't up to the task. It was You can have that from Jeff Cameron, because Jeff is the old wily veteran with all this, But you can't have it with Jeff Cameron and Tyler Blackett and Nick Haglund. There needs to be more athleticism, or this is going to be the game plan going forward. You are stuck with guys who don't move well in transition, or in Jeff Cameron's case, don't move well at all. Uh, The back line was clearly the, the culprit here. Because on the other hand, the offense more than held up its end of the bargain. You score three goals, you're in an opportunity to score at least two more, you win the XG battle... You should win the game. You just can't leak as badly as they did off the back line.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, And we knew this defense was largely the same as last year, and we knew the defense last year struggled. Um, It hasn't looked – I mean, the Austin match, the Austin match, but since Austin, it hasn't looked this bad. And you really felt like the same personnel were making – Progress and then this match shows up, and it was not progress, it was very much the defense that continued to give up goals the last few years. Uh, Grayson, who would you blame on this one?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I would agree with Chief there. The back line bears nearly all of the blame, and I thought he had a nice turn of phrase for how those goals came because it felt like they came in the back of our neck. Um, (laughs) But, but I will throw, I'll throw Kubo under the bus here. Um, I thought, I mean, it was his worst game of the season and it showed that if he's, if he's having a bad game, this team is going to struggle immensely because he was giving the ball away in our defensive third. And then, you know, on the, on the second goal, you know, I'll, I'll give him a little bit of a pass and say, not a lot of guys in the league the size of oneyama Okay, so yep. you, you get muscled off the ball by Won Whatever, that happens. Recover, but then how does how does how does he not mark Mahalovich? How does nobody right. see Mahalovich? I mean, he made like kind of a clever little run, but not. There's four guys around him. It's right. not. Right. It's it's not something that you don't see people do all the time as a professional soccer player. And Kubo was watching the ball, it seemed. And everybody else was just sticking in their spot. Like, nobody was reacting to, to Georgie's run. And um, Well, the hard part is, too, it's like when, when you
2: fuck yeah. up, most people have this natural human instinct that I'm going to work extra hard now for the next minute or two afterwards. Or, you know, you forget your homework, you're going to work extra hard on the next assignment to make the grade back up. Are you you fuck something up and forget to do something for your wife, it's like, okay, I need to go extra hard now, buy flowers, cook dinner, do some bullshit to try and get out of the doghouse. He gets muscled off the ball, and instead of thinking to himself, oh, shit, they're on the break now, they've got possession, I need to do something to win the ball back, usually in this situation you see guys, they go in and they make the horror tackle to try and you know make up for losing the ball, yep. and they get carted yep. in that situation. But instead with Kubo, he just sort of starts to ball watch, so he loses the ball, he loses his mark, he ball watches, and they get scored on immediately. It's It was a rare – it's almost out of character for him because with one thing with Kubo that you never really question is the work rate. You know, I mean, Kubo, even right. last year when he was playing a position where, I mean, shit, it was like he was speaking a language he'd never spoken before, but God damn it, he was talking loudly to make sure everybody knew he was saying something. <laughs> um, the effort has always been there, and for this, like, portions of this game – It just looked like he wasn't mentally checked in. And it's really out of character for him the way he plays. It was bizarre to watch a little bit.
1: And speaking of not being mentally checked in, I mean, I get that Cameron was thinking they're doing some type of offside trap. Alvis Powell specifically was like five yards behind everybody. Um, Kamara was not close to being offside on that. And somehow he ran through... Totally unbothered by Cameron and Blackett, and Hag- Hagland yeah. from the other side of the field is the only person who ever gets close to him. And um, I get that you think you're having a high line, but as Cameron, who might not be the captain, but he's you know more or less the defensive captain, right?
0: Yeah,
1: you gotta you gotta keep your guys disciplined and make sure they're keeping their high line, or you have to realize now that you've been on this team for a season and six games that nobody's going to keep the high line. Somebody's going to be, somebody's going to be lagging. Somebody's going to fuck up. You're going to get beat (laughs) on that. So be aware that you might think he's outside because you're up, you're far up the field, but he's running. He might know something you don't.
2: But isn't it always the way with this team that you see this team rarely compartmentalizes mistakes where, in this game, they give up a terrible goal to start off where, like I said, Hagland is utterly beaten on the first touch by Mihailovic, and they don't rebound. Like, they don't come back with better defensive performances. They don't lock it down. It just gets worse, and you would like to see with this team a little more mental resilience at times than the all-or-nothing approach that we get where... You go to Austin and you give up a bad goal because Vasquez can't clear his line, and then all of a sudden it's five goals. On this game, you give up a bad goal right out of the shoot uh, that sort of kills your momentum after Vasquez's goal, and it doesn't stop there. You let four more goals in. This team is not great at limiting the bleeding once they get stabbed first off in the match, and I don't know... If that's a confidence thing, if that's a, you know, all of a sudden you get the, here we go again, we've been down this road before thing with the team, but it just felt that it was weird at every point in this game. I thought they could score to get back into it. And also at every point in this game, I was, I was confident that there were more goals in it for Montreal, just because the back line never, and the defense never seemed to be in control of any aspect of this game.
1: Our offense would have scored seven or eight goals on our defense because (laughs) how many, how many times do that? (laughs) how many times do we get, we get down the field and I I know, I know Brenner had one for sure. Um, There were a couple of others that I can't, I can't remember exactly when they were, who, who, who made the passes where they get down inside of the box. They play a pass. There's a guy behind a couple of defenders and one of the Montreal defenders, oh, intercepts the pass. Yeah, right. And Harden's defense just doesn't. Four years into the league, and and the most dangerous thing you can do to FC Cincinnati is try to pass the ball to somebody on your team who's in the box because there's going to be four guys standing around him who just aren't going to provide any resistance to that, as we saw in the fourth goal.
2: Yeah, the the guys I watch the game with, we call those groan balls just because, like, you can hear the audible groan in the crowd when the ball is passed and it's 2 no one (laughs) and somebody comes streaking in the other direction, interception, it's going back the other way. And there is this this sound that fills TQL Stadium that is just collective exasperation because it, it definitely feels like an inordinate number of chances for FC Cincinnati end that way with a ball being played to no one and you just look at it and you're like come the fuck on
0: yeah really (laughs) it's been and like you said it's been the hallmark of NFC Cincinnati defense for years now like this is the exact same thing the FIFA move of uh cut to the end line and then uh pass back to the top of the box And there's always an open guy there That, that just always works with us um and it doesn't work for our offense very often. Maybe maybe the real problem here is that our offense is practicing against our defense and setting some terribly unrealistic expectations for how an offense should be uh, should be working there. Now, um, well, we, um, say that say, the we say, say that that was how
2: that was how Vasquez scored his first goal though. It was the ball uh over True. the top and then cut back into the middle and he does a a really nifty sort of like one touch around the keeper and then toe pokes it into the corner. So Maybe Vasquez is going to school on how to beat our own <laughs> defense. Maybe, maybe he's getting tired of being in film and saying, oh, that works for everybody else except us. Why don't we fucking try that? Right. Well, it,
1: it right. was an especially effective goal against an FC defense because the goalie spilled the ball to Vasquez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Always helpful. You never go full Kenneth Vermeer. no no I'll, i'll say for me who i'll blame is and this is gonna sound so stupid but i'm gonna blame montreal's attack and i say that for this reason montreal's a weird team going into this season the predictions were all over the place uh some of the experts i was reading were saying that they're a wooden spoon contender others were putting them top four in the league uh they put in a hell of a shift in the CONCACAF Champions League, took Cruz Azul uh, for everything that they had, ended up uh, drawing 1-1 and then losing 1-0. They have a ton of attacking talent, and they have not quite put it together this year. Yes, playing FC Cincinnati is good for any offense that might be struggling, but don't discount Kai Kamara, Mihailovic, and Kone, and a couple of other players there that were really coming along and... I don't know. I feel like a lot of people saw Montreal at the bottom of the table, myself included, and thought, oh, great. Well, three easy games. But I think come the end of the year, we'll, we'll see Montreal and their attack in particular having been a lot more potent than we probably thought going into this game.
2: Well, because how many goals is Mihailović up to against FC Cincinnati? It's got to be like four or five at this point, right? Right. <laughs> I think he scored two or three last year in that shootout that we had. I'm...
1: I think he scored one in the shootout and one in another game. Because okay. I, I, I looked this up. Four of the five goals that Montreal scored against us in that shootout, those guys were injured. <laughs>
2: Like, if Mihailovic just played nothing but FC Cincinnati, he would break records for transfers out to Europe. (laughs) Like, this motherfucker would be playing for Chelsea. I mean, if they weren't being banned from all international business right now due to Russian connections.
1: That shows you how good Brandon Vasquez has been because he's not scoring his goals on FC Cincinnati.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's actually a great point. What would Brandon Vasquez be doing on a not-FC Cincinnati MLS team? So so
2: in addition to what we've said already, uh, I do think it's important to point out that when you ask whose fault it is, you know, I'm a big proponent of giving people time. I'm a big proponent of I think the direction this club is heading in is 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 the right one. I don't think it's time for people to panic or get upset. But also whose fault was this game is it's Chris Albright. Albright. This game, the the roster is stretched beyond thin. Um, With Matarita being out for possibly the season now at this point, I think it is the season at this point, there's no replacement for what he brings to the defense right now in-house. If there is, we haven't fucking seen it. And you go into this match, and you're late in the game, and you're playing what Baji is playing back as a playing back on the back line, and you've got players still playing out of position. And it would be one thing if, okay, we had a lot of people off on international duty or there was other shit going on, but, but there isn't right now. The international break is over, and we've got multiple spots that are open on this team that should be filled with players. And yep. I, it, at, at a certain point, it, it's, you're, there's an old saying, you can't expect a pint to hold a court. If it's holding a pint, it's doing the best it can. This team's <laughs> holding a pint right now. And there's not a lot more to give in terms of other people to plug in, other things to do. And in a game like this one where Montreal came in with a game plan, they were going to run us to death. They were going to run us to death down the wings. They were going to get behind us. When Noonan looks at the bench, there's nothing there that he can do to change things up. Every option is a bad one that he's got that he's looking at right there.
1: Yeah, and this goes back to actually things I said on, on two prior podcasts. Um, one is, you know, if you still have Viasia the last two weeks, um, I think there's a good case to be made that the results look different, because mm. Blackett is somebody who still, I think, in his career has played more games at left back than at center back. Yes. And we know he can. We know he can pick out a pass. Uh, so he would give us something on the left, both offensively and defensively, that we're not going to get from a switched field Ray Gaddis, which is, it's yeah. no, no, no offense to Ray Gaddis. I mean, no, you know, he's, he's, just, he's, he's not that guy anymore. He's, he's clearly, he, he looks like a guy that got blown out of retirement. Like, Gaddis is clearly up for it. You know, he's, he's out there do he's out there doing his best. Um, but you just have to keep in mind that he's a guy who's a little older, did not play last season. And although he plays on the right and left, right is his more natural side. Um, yep. And then the other piece where where uh, Chief said uh, about you know some of the blame does fall on on Chris Albright, it's it's like I've said before. Sacrificing short term results is clearly a choice he is making. Yep. And that's not it's not panic mode, right? Yeah. No. It's at least not today. It's not panic mode, right? Right. But clearly, he, and people are saying, you know, this team needs patience, needs to turn around. But there are things that he could have done, like, for example, keeping via in the team that probably improve your chances of picking up results in the short term. And um, he has not brought in the players that we would like to see brought in. Presumably, that's part of the plan, and we will see and at the end of the summer window, right? Right. So, so I think there'll be like probably, I guess, like three points of evaluation, the end of the current window, the end of the summer window, and the end of the season. And you can look back and say, man, it was smart to be patient and swallow a couple of tough results early in the season to really put a team together that's ready to go out next season and, and compete for something, you know?
2: Right, right. But it does not it, it doesn't, it doesn't make it yet. easier it, to it give makes... a hot take right now, though. It's like, if you're trying to look at <laughs> a hot take right now, it doesn't help right. us. Also,
1: it doesn't make it any easier to, to you know, to watch. sit in the game and watch a loss. Yeah.
0: yeah you're right about that. Yeah. No, it's a great point. So running down the list, Marita being out, you have to assume a starting left back is on the old shopping list. At least one, maybe two center backs. Even before Vallecilla went, another center back made a lot of sense to try to bring in, at least find an impactful player.
1: I don't want to see a lot of resources spent on a left back unless you are planning to ship out Marita Because your plan has to be next season, Marita comes back and he's your starting left back. So like yeah, we need we need depth at that position. I'm okay having rotational guys in that spot and still prioritizing whatever positions like right midfield and central defense
0: that that he so, was going to
1: be prioritizing presumably before Matarita got hurt.
0: Right. Even if your solution was someone like uh or at least with a career background like Tyler Blackett or Saad Abdul Salam, who has experience on, you know, the left and right side or the left side and center back. Somebody that, that's a versatile replacement player, basically. Somebody that you can plug in there. But somebody we've talked about replacing, at least in this particular role before the season, was Kubo. And he's been good he's worked out well I still think he'd work better as a shuttler in a four-four-two diamond which I think was the original plan but he was very much exposed when he was unable to play defensive midfielder and there really isn't a backup plan if him or Moreno isn't isn't working out Madunyanen isn't that guy that's that's the book on Madunyanen he doesn't play defense so he only comes in when they've screwed up when they're trailing and he plays in front of the back line, trying to spray balls and it's just not working. It hasn't worked this season and there's no evidence to believe it will work in the future. Um, So there's quite a shopping list here of, uh, of players that or at least profile of players that need to be brought in. But it's also why we're talking about,
2: like we're preaching patience here because part of the problem (laughs) with the team right now is there is an extensive shopping list regardless if you're looking for starting players, you're looking for backups and the, it's important to look for backups too, for situations like this that we're in, we're seeing the thin roster manifest itself right now, but also because it's, it's just going to take Albright some time to the, the value on the roster. If you look at the roster of where the money is spent, it's all out of whack right now. They're spending way too much money on goalkeeping. They're spending way too much money up top on striker. um, we're going to we get into it with with Jeff a little bit in the interview spoiler alert but <laughs> you know what we have now with the rotation is for a while you could say that Brenner was working his way back to fitness and that they're working him back to a point where he can start it's been a month and a half now and he's been pretty consistent for this entire season as a 30 minute substitute off the bench and you can say what you want about whether or not he's getting an opportunity to show what he's capable of or whether or not that's an effective use of him. But 30 minutes off the bench is a value inversion in terms of what you need from a DP spot. And there's all sorts of places like that on this team where the value that they are getting for players is not, you know, it's disproportionate to what they need and what they need to have available for resources. So making these signings, taking time to to clear out a little bit of the 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 value imbalance it's it's just going to take time and until that happens you're going to see situations like this where the the roster is thin the bench is thin and there just aren't options for Noonan to to play chess with opposing managers who come in with a game plan designed specifically to beat the guys that were running out there every game
1: yeah and I want to throw this out you know via was quote-unquote working back to fitness really he was being traded Right. Um it we're six games into the season. I don't think Brenner is genuinely working his way back from fitness. I'm not gonna speculate on what else might be going on, whether Noonan doesn't like him for some reason or they really are trying to ship him out or something. I mean there's there's some sporting reason. He's yes. not he's not playing. That
2: popped up this week too. I had I was speculating, I was just you know, going down memory lane and remembering the Franco-Kavacic deal where we spent <laughs> $225,000 for an international spot of GAM and also spent $200,000 to keep him rostered for the year. And I was like, that was a funny memory. I forgot about that entirely, where we spent almost half a million dollars for him. And then the team goes out and tweets out a reminder that the fucking partnership exists between Hoffenheim, <laughs> us and some team from Ghana, surely one of those teams has room on the roster for an Alan Cruz or a Brenner. Let's leverage that fucking relationship. They owe us.
1: Hey, man. Franco has uh, 13 appearances, a goal, and an assist for Paphos FC in uh, Cyprus.
0: What is what is their position on the table? Do you have it up?
1: So Paphos is one spot above the relegation playoff, <laughs> but uh, it, it appears – and look, I, I apologize to our Cypriot fans if I'm wrong about this. <laughs> it looks like it looks like they have 12 teams. Half of them go to a championship playoff and half of them go to a relegation playoff. So it's like a Belgian
0: style? Yeah, 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 yeah. Belgium and uh, a few others. To get, to uh, Denmark. Jean-Francois
1: yeah. Flachette to come tell us about the Belgian <laughs> league.
0: Beautiful. Um and I wanna hit this because I feel like we are the 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 originators of the Brandon Vasquez to the US Men's national team hype train. Um, I feel Some very confident. Some that. people
1: say it was the main account. There's different <laughs> different accounts about who started this, but what's important is where we got to. Right. The, yes. fun bla-
2: the fun blast has been a solid backer of Brandon Vasquez going back to last fall. I want that on the record,
1: too.
0: <laughs> but this week we saw uh, Mexican media take notice of old Brandon Vasquez. He is very much eligible to play for Mexico if he were to be called up. And something I uh, I pointed out to our dear friend Jonah uh Mexico only scored 17 goals in the octagon. That's as many as Panama scored. Panama did not qualify for the World Cup. As much as uh, the United States are in desperate need of an in-form striker up top, so is Mexico. Um, (laughs) What's what's your guys' take on a potential U.S. versus Mexico recruitment battle for our dear friend Brandon Vasquez? Um, I think he should
1: play for Mexico because, um, I don't want him to spend that much time away from the team in (laughs) color. I think a couple of group stage games would be great. And then he can go home. No,
2: no. I, I need him playing for the United States. I need him scoring goals against Iran. I want my patriotism. (laughs) I want. I want to feel that. I want to feel that as we as we put one in the Ayatollah's ear hole, courtesy of Brandon <laughs> Vasquez. I just yes, please. And I want him wrapped There's... up in the American flag. He does the goddamn Superman pose when he scores. What does Superman stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. Not the Mexican way. The American way.
0: Uh, Superman should be noted. Uh, definitely an illegal alien more ways than one yeah you know you know krypton's not sending us their best people okay? <laughs> I, I think they i think they actually did send their best but yes <laughs> well they're only <laughs> <laughs> well, well that'll do it for uh for old part one for us uh part two guys we got him we had jeff Ruder on um i mean look let's be honest he's a guy that we've gone after on twitter multiple times so this was uh this was a great one i always like it when i ask a a guest to come on our podcast and their immediate reaction was is this a trap um and i'll just say he is the second guest to uh hit (laughs) me with that one so uh i like that the post's reputation precedes us um so, yeah, this was a, a fantastic interview. We, we hit all sorts of topics, and it was uh, just awesome. It was a really good conversation. So um, enjoy this, and uh, we'll catch you over in part three. All right, Part two of the postcast, we are joined by the one and only Jeff Ruder. He is a staff writer at The Athletic covering all things North American soccer, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on the old postcast here.
3: I'm trying to figure out what was part one (laughs) because (laughs) I can't tell if this is like like you're leading up like a concert and it's getting better and better, or if this is like a late night talk show and I'm the second guest who's going to get bumped for time inevitably. So I just need to kind of know what
2: kind of part part one of the show is. We tape that afterwards. And we shit on all the takes that you're about to make.
0: Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Talk about
2: like, he's probably going to get on here and talk nonsense (laughs) about how terrible Brenner is. And the man doesn't know anything about the U S men's national team. Just (laughs) terrible takes. You're going to get from him. I'll bet. I don't know. We haven't heard that yet.
3: Excellent. Excellent.
2: We won't know for sure that he'll question whether or not he's
3: more of a musical artist or a late night guest, but I bet he will. (laughs) (laughs) That's some good podcast content. That's what that is. Thanks for having me guys. This is great.
0: Jeff, that that segues perfectly to my first question here, which is, um, why do you hate FC Cincinnati?
3: (laughs) I don't. (laughs) It's funny. Like there's there's um, there's like four teams in MLS that I have. Either jerseys or training tops that I picked off eBay, which now people know I just shop on eBay randomly a lot. Thanks, to <laughs> Pablo, and my new series. But um, there are four teams in MLS that I have for like workout shirts or like futsal shirts or whatever. And Cincy's 2019 inaugural is one of them. The um, I know, yeah, it's great. It was a gag gift actually for Christmas. But I was yeah. about to
2: say you can you can find a lot of those FC Cincinnati kits with the buy it now button for like five ninety nine. Yeah, so you can. It will just be careful to
3: read the fun print to see if it's authentic or if it's a replica. Right. But yeah, oh. I, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I get it. I get why Cincy fans are sometimes like if I, if I comment on them, I, I understand sometimes it's a little raw or I know that early on in 2019, I was one of the first people in the the national media to to question um, the roster building wisdom of the uh, Koch-Birding partnership. And um people weren't very happy with those questions, <laughs> but I think um, <laughs> I, I think as a result, uh, yeah, I, I completely understand. I think that I, I've been drawn to Cincy for a couple of reasons. One, fringe Midwest, depending on your view of the state of Ohio. And so as a result, I think it's generally a region of the country that needs more professional soccer teams and more good professional soccer teams. And I think that FC Cincinnati checks the box, certainly in terms of stability, market reach, all of these other things, actually connecting with a fan base of the like. Um, they'd done that well too. They moved up from the second division to the first division. And I think I will always have kind of a unique vantage point having covered Minnesota United so closely when they went through that. And then as a result, um, you know, clubs like Nashville as well. Um, there, there's There's a little bit of a soft spot there where maybe I'm just paying more attention to them. And maybe that's the other thing too, is, I, I, I will regularly talk about Cincinnati, and as a result, it seems negative, because they've been bad. I don't know if you've noticed, but ever, <laughs> si- ever since they've joined the old ML of S, it has not gone terribly well. So um, I get it. I get the question. I really do. But I don't hate your team, I promise.
2: <laughs> so I'll offer I'll offer you one opportunity right here to say something nice about FC Cincinnati to ingratiate yourself to the dozens and dozens of people who listen to this podcast.
3: It is hard in a league of 28 teams to actually have a unique brand identity. And I love the blue and orange. I do. I think it's really sharp. I think it gives a lot of really cool Jersey opportunities. I think that the crest incorporates white as well, which just is a good kind of clean accent that you can have clear lines that aren't, because I I don't think black would work if you were working with blue and orange. And this is kind of a question here, but um, I, I think that it does help to have that as an accent so i really really like the brand identity i'll do you one better and i think that in 10 years i would be surprised if cincinnati has not had more success okay so if we're looking at the year 2032 and we're talking about from 2025 onward (laughs) i would be surprised if cincinnati is not more successful than the columbus crew in that period based off of financial potential the potential of the team um some of the young players on hand um, the framework that's being laid right now with the Academy, I, I think that there is true significant potential for Cincinnati to um, to move up a few rungs of the, the ladder, but it's kind of hard to go much lower on the ladder than they've been lately because I'm not <laughs> sure they're entirely on this ladder yet, but
0: um yeah <laughs> well when when brandon vasquez gets his 50 million dollar transfer abroad we'll, uh, right. we'll definitely be able to reinvest that money that's so. right yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> there's interesting like space jam potential there by the way with like brenner's talents getting sucked into brendan vasquez's body i think that someone should really be looking into that
0: You know, uh, doing a little research, dare I say oppo research here. And uh, you did a podcast in January of 2020, where you uh, were talking about Randy Vasquez. it was one of the other Cincinnati podcasts. <laughs> okay, but great. the, uh, the well, when you said that Brandon Vasquez wouldn't be great in 2020, but in the years after you could easily see him as a 15-year uh 15 goals a year goal scorer <laughs> and you nailed that one, buddy. Like look, look, that. That well, look at that. It's not <laughs> yeah. he's got. He's got
2: about 10 more to go. So let's hey, pump the brakes a little bit
3: right. He's on a
0: 40 goal clip right now, right? <laughs> so Yeah.
3: I mean, look, like the the skill set's been there. I know that it takes a lot for a team to actually be upset when they lose a player in the expansion draft these days with how many protection spots there are and how easy it is to kind of replace and rejuvenate the middle and bottom end of your roster in MLS with various mechanisms and the like. Um, They were really upset to lose Brandon Vasquez. And there is a reason for it. I mean, young American strikers who actually have some potential to them with their finishing um, are pretty hard to find frankly, especially as as more and more players are going abroad younger. Um, so I think that there was just some kind of natural quality to him. Um, but I think that there's just kind of intelligence. I think that he works in a lot of different systems. I think that he's a player who can fill multiple different roles and approaches to the striker position that I think really does help in the modern game where ultimately you need to be multifaceted so you just stay on the field. It kind of has less to do with, is he a good finisher? Is he the best finisher in Major League Soccer? or Anything like that? And I think it's, it's that he plays in a way that should keep him on the field. And that's invaluable at that position, because I think that you look at like Jeremy of for example, at Portland and then San Jose. Now, um, if he doesn't fit what that team's trying to do, or if he's not specifically getting his chances, um, he has struggled. And he's, he's struggled to kind of progress into that 10, 12, 15 goal striker um, that you would really hope for, for the investment that I guess Portland had made in the super draft and very, very strong super draft class that year too um Vasquez just has some of those um he had a look of a young player like that who's already getting minutes and who's already going to get opportunities at the first division level with Cincy especially and um congrats <laughs> he, looks, <laughs> he looks he looks pretty damn good he really does <laughs>
0: Oh, it's it's been fun. We uh, we very early on, I think, episode one or two, we're hyping him for the uh, the U.S. men's national team this year. And um, that's that's slowly like become it. real discourse, which is uh, which is weird. And then it's there was wild. a tweet. Uh, yeah, there was a tweet from uh, outlet in Mexico saying like, hey, Vasquez has Mexican eligibility, too. Like, whoa, what Let's is go. happening right now? Let's go. Uh, <laughs> they need goals.
3: Do it. Screw it. Why not? I mean, fuck it. It was so, so much fun. Just to see like a random MLS striker like catch fire for one year, get like 15 goals. I'm talking like like Brian White levels of just like catching fire, where it's like every single week it's just like oh he scored again. Um, I just want one random MLS player to make the World Cup this year. That's all I want. I just want yes. one like <laughs> no one would have seen this coming 12 months ago sort of player. Yeah. That's my imagine guess. going
2: imagine going back in time 15 years ago and telling yourself that what you win by catching fire in MLS is an all expense paid trip to Qatar.
3: I know, right? Like it's, You could have convinced me, that I'd be like, cool, which multi-level marketing scheme are they uh, <laughs> sponsored by right now, right?
2: There's, there's like, an AdvoCare convention in town. That's right. That makes so much sense, yeah.
0: <laughs> so if you were Chris Albright, uh, what do you do with Brenner in this case? Yeah. Because uh, it's a lot of money for a guy who is a super-ish sub.
3: Yeah. Um, I would loan him to Portugal because he speaks the language, good level that's going to be representative of where he's at, but not necessarily so much better that he's going to be completely found out and lost. He will get the taste of European soccer, um, which can help. I think you saw it with Daryl DK when he went to Barnsley, uh, you know, gets that chance, is able to see what it's like to play abroad, um, really likes his opportunity, comes back even hungrier to in that move back. And he played really well down the stretch for Orlando once he got healthy, and then he got his move permanently to West Brom. I think that... There's more desire for players in MLS even if they're not necessarily performing at the highest level because I think that people are respecting the league abroad much more than they were. And so I think that if you can get him into an environment where, again, he speaks the language by and large, he knows the culture, he's able to fit in and be a player who can get minutes right away. um, At least that way you're able to kind of recoup um, without losing anything, you're able to, to, to recoup a little bit of your investment and um if it doesn't work there then at least you found out through a second source right but um Vasquez is playing too well to to, to kind of force Brenner on the field in his place and you're not going to loan him in MLS I think if you loan him back to Brazil you run the risk of making him feel like he's already a failure um so you go with something that's going to feel like an upgrade and really is a sidestep but you also aren't having to take a spot on the roster um and take a spot on the field on the 11 um for a player who's very clearly struggling at this point.
1: Are there circumstances where you can loan him to Portugal and get your D- DP spot back?
3: Um, yes. Yeah. This is something that has had to be done a couple of times for teams like the Galaxy in Toronto, who've had four DPs on the roster at one time. Um, you could, the hard part is, When he comes back, and and LAFC, by the way, last season with Brian Rodriguez, but what they ran into in that case is you can't sign a replacement in case the team that he's loaned to doesn't pick up the purchase option. And in that case, I believe this Almeria with Brian Rodriguez, they didn't pick up his option. And so LAFC was unable to actually do anything with that DP slot yet unless they had picked it up. And in that case, then uh, you don't have to wait at all. And so you could have moves that are lined up, whether that's a defensive midfielder or whether that's something else. You know, that's up to you, but you couldn't actually consummate the deal unless you had an open DP
1: slot. Because it, it seemed like there was kind of something inconsistent going on with Miami with Pizarro.
3: There were a few and inconsistencies then, with Miami, yeah.
1: <laughs> and There's then an understatement know, right here. And <laughs> then, I guess, what I what what I read was that Miami didn't get their – didn't did not open up a DP spot by loaning out Pizarro, but it seems like Austin did open up a DP spot by loading out Pochettino. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I, I couldn't really tell just from what the reporting was, what the difference was between yeah. those situations other than, you know, Miami having broader problems.
3: Yeah, right, right. um <laughs> I think... In that case, it often has to do with how the purchase option is treated. You'll see most, the standard is if you want the player at the end of the loan or by X date of the loan within a month of the end of the loan, you make a decision, um, we'll pay whatever nominal fee, pre-agreed upon fee, we're not renegotiating it. So if, if Brenner blew up in Portugal and they wanted to buy him for, you'd agree to a $4 million um, you know, optional purchase fee. And he blows up and technically on the open market, he would be worth much more than $4 million, but that was what you would agree to because you were kind of playing the worst case scenario, then you lose the additional value on that. Sometimes I think in the case of Pochettino though, there was a guaranteed purchase on the end of that deal where no matter what he would be ending up with river plate instead of Austin. And so it is a loan for the purposes of Austin helping cover some of the finances for this first part of the deal. And then it will trigger at the end of his contract into a permanent deal. Um, Meaning that he's just, there's no chance he'll come back. So your DP slot isn't in flux and you're not having to figure out these sorts of things at the end, like the Pizarro loan, where Pizarro's contract goes longer than the loan. And as a result, he's not able to be treated as a player, no longer associated with the club. Um, You're making me talk about MLS roster
0: rules. It's such a minute. Can I open a beer? Is that okay with you? No, the only Please. way you can
2: really understand NLS roster rules is when you're drinking. I mean, yes.
0: <laughs> I was actually just... going to I'm actually radically, <laughs> uh, going to radically shift gears here on you. So we talked to Pat Brennan uh, mm-hmm. on this show, and he had an interesting story into ending up covering a third division soccer team that was brand new to Cincinnati. So I'm curious how you end up getting your start uh, covering, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say with Minnesota, but you can take it as far back as you want to make covering a minor league, lower division soccer team <laughs> make sense.
3: Uh, yeah. And then end up where I have now, um, yes. wearing a company, <laughs> Brandon <and> crew neck <laughs> on a podcast. I've been dweeb. Um, <laughs> I, hey, hey, uh, I grew up with soccer in my family. My, my aunt was a goalkeeper in the Minnesota youth soccer scene at the same time as Brian Scurry. There's a story of a, penalty cook shootout at the club level, like U17 level, where um, my aunt made one save and Scurry made two, and that decided the title. So it, it's like this whole family, like my aunt was almost the goalkeeper, and of course she she wouldn't have been. Uh, she would have made the roster if she was that close, but um, it's still very, very cool kind of moment that, you know, she was concurrent at the same position as Brian Scurry. And so that team, especially the women's national team, became an early lens for me, 2002. I'm young. I'm in my late 20s. Um, my, the 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 2002 World Cup, I was waking up in the middle of the night to watch South Korea, Japan. I was getting into the Champions League on ESPN. day. I grew up with it, it was just kind of part of my natural sports diet. And um, 2015, my brother had moved back from Chicago, finishing up his master's program. And so we were looking for ways that we could hang out more now that we were in the same city for the first time since we were you know, kids. Um, and so Minnesota United was playing out in Blaine, second division, North American Soccer League, now defunct. Uh, we bought season tickets in the supporter section, and we were talking at halftime one day about probably not the NASL, probably MLS, Premier League, something. Um, this guy leans over to me and is just like, hey, it sounds like you kind of know what you're talking about about the sport. Uh, my podcast co-host just quit. I need someone who can fill in on Monday just for a couple weeks until I find a real guy. Can you hop on? And I said, yeah, that sounds great. Um, I became the real guy on that podcast to United <laughs> fans with Nachka Karnak for – six months. And then a website called Northern Pitch, which became 55. One, reached out and just asked, do you write at all? I'm wrapping up a degree in playwriting at that time. So I was very serendipitous. Like I've had the experience at least with writing and something that's a little more narrative and humanistic. And so start writing for free, Minnesota United gets the MLS birth. And so publications are looking for the MLS guy. And so I kind of work in right for the website until I break the Nashville news before they wanted it to. And then they terminate my contract without awarding uh and uh <laughs> it's just, just major league soccer for you um and then I'm, I'm working with the guardian i'm working with espn 442 sky sports just building a freelance roster to to be able to go full-time freelance with the athletic then at 2018 they had a staff opening along with about seven others so i'm hired at the same time as sam staskel pablo mara meg linehan um felipe cardenas matt pence on April first of twenty nineteen, and uh, yeah, I've just been there ever since. It there, there's something Forrest Gumpian about right place, right time. I will admit, um, <laughs> but no, it was it was a very natural kind of blend of uh, a sport that I have loved my whole life, and me leaving college, not wanting to be in the theater landscape, but having a degree in writing and not knowing what to do with it. And you work IT at nights while you're writing during the day, and it all works out. So. Very, very fortunate, but that's uh, maybe an answer to your question. I, I might have totally taken that <laughs> into a different path. But there's my life yeah oh, that
0: was that was a great answer. Now I'm just wondering why you and Pablo haven't written some sort of three part play uh involving some dramatic element in MLS. Maybe maybe FC Cincinnati's uh expansion draft day should should be a, a dramatic oh set. Oh my god. The expansion <laughs> Yeah,
3: we'll we'll get I don't know who the the MLS level Kevin Costner is. I'm trying to think of the right actor for this. Uh well, I mean, Dennis I mean, I Quaid, see- honestly, is probably <laughs> it.
2: I I think you're almost looking at barking up the wrong tree, though, because I saw on Twitter today, somebody had posted a thing like it was one of those random, like, quote, tweet, retweet things, and it was, described the closest you've ever been associated with a cult, and somebody had put down, I follow second division soccer in America. So, I mean, I think if there's a play to be written, it's something that's happening down at the USL, NASL level days, (laughs) something (laughs) involving Detroit City.
3: Oh, it would definitely involve Detroit City, but I don't, I think they would show up in the final act as like the, 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 the big moment Keyworth stadium. This is, you know, this is, this is where the shit hits the fan. I think that's, <laughs> that's its role. Um, I mean, the yeah, Pablo has so much. Pablo is a, a fascinating coworker and I love the guy. Um, because he will just like, he'll hop on these staff calls and I was like, yeah, I'm going to work on this, like, you know, the US national team confidence index, and then I'm going to work on this piece of players on the outside of the roster who have a chance making the Qatar roster. And then I'm going to interview this striker in Europe on Thursday. Um, you know, and so like, and that's my actual workload this week. And like, that'll be most <laughs> of us. Then he'll just be like, yeah, I'm thinking I might just like write this piece about this random guy and spain who like happens to be a season ticket holder for this team that i've tracked down and he sent me this jersey and all this and just has this like th- out <laughs> of nowhere these fascinating connections that get him to be writing um truly amazing stories um and yeah he's uh He's busy. (laughs) He's too busy for this.
2: (laughs) Or it could be I'm going to pick a fight with the entire city of Cincinnati over Christian imagery and their logo. I don't know. Hey, that's right. He does that too. Uh,
3: Also a man from (laughs) Spain. Tipped him off on that one. Just a random dude
0: uh <laughs> well, if it's of uh, any interest to to you and pablo uh on my desk at work i have a uh n a s l Tulsa roughnecks and tampa bay rowdies commemorative pepsi bottles uh, commemorating their uh, their playoff run um I'm sure they're worth at least two dollars so. i think
3: they're worth that, at least five each to me personally so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if we're setting prices now. <laughs> throw it on ebay <laughs> yeah you'll make it in two weeks because we have another <laughs> another installment that's going to be every two weeks moving forward um, it's, it that piece is so piece. fun yes. that's just so much more fun to write than bam man and like i know this is so like inside baseball talk whatever but like there is just something that felt so weird by week four writing a betting column when i have no interest in betting um because you could try to pass it off as like watch major league soccer and these are the games worth watching these are the three you know whatever you could try to pass it off as some sort of whatever else it was like try to make it something it wasn't it wasn't it was it was on behalf of a betting partner as well which i probably can't say anything about that but um i would love to (laughs) um and so uh i think yeah just as a result we wanted to have by the end of it we were both pretty burnt out i think another reality of the last two years is mls has been playing the same schedule or was playing the exact same schedule yeah. of about eight matchups on repeat over and over and over. And by the time you get to week 25 of this, like you do not have new thoughts about the Columbus <laughs> crew going to play Toronto FC. You are out of thoughts. You have nothing, you have truly nothing to say about Colorado playing against the Houston Dynamo in Houston in August. And so uh, I, I think that we needed something that was going to give us that same sort of interactivity where we can just bounce ideas off of each other and DS and all that. But we didn't want to have the hook of, pretending to be betting experts. And so I think that just, you know, (laughs) soccer memorabilia is something that a lot of people like. It's something Pablo and I have been scouring for a while. And usually you can find some better stories with that too, by the way, like uh, his thing on the denim kit, right? And the original designer. And like, you can actually pull some sort of the history of this sport in this country context, which is always helpful. So,
2: um, yeah. Now I've I've had a minor obsession with collecting Tampa Bay Mutiny gear from MLS. Why not? Why not? Excellent. I'm from Tampa originally, and I fell in love with the story. I forget where it was written. It might have been SI, about the reason why the logo looks the way it does is that some coked-out designer at Nike said, well, it's a mutant bat. Like, I had no <laughs> idea what the word <laughs> mutiny actually meant, and just for some reason was like, yeah, we're going to go with that. So anything Tampa Bay Mutiny-related that I find at thrift stores that I find online, it I don't care if it's my size or not. I'm buying the motherfucker.
3: I just love the, like, willful ignorance involved with that. Oh, just being like, eh, kind of like it's not the same thing at all, but it reminded me of this cooler thing, and I'm just going to go with that because you're paying me money. What are you going to do? Do it yourself?
2: No well, chance. Just, just the, the idea, too, it's like, well, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down here. We've got a pirate thing going on. We have Gasparilla Pirate Festival right, every year. We're calling the yeah. team Mutiny. Here's your logo. It's, it's a bat. A bat. <laughs> <laughs> How did this league fucking succeed? just
3: it's just what you wanted yeah no it's it's truly a marvel that they got through that first decade um (laughs) for so many reasons but that's awesome oh man that is awesome i love it Uh, miami fusion somehow unfortunately less interesting uh of the the concurrent florida teams that were canned um Maybe it's just because inter Miami is so sad now. We just don't want to talk about the last team that didn't do well in Miami. But well, I
2: mean, like um, Miami is just a just a fascinating place for soccer intrigue yeah. in general. Between the Miami FC and Ricardo Silva and his attempted takeover <laughs> of all things American soccer, it just seems like a hotbed. Right. I mean, Florida in general is just where all weirdness like washes up on the shores. But Miami yeah. in general just seems like it's been at the epicenter of a lot of American soccer bullshit for one reason or another. <laughs>
3: Yeah, in, in some ways, it's like MLS, the, the the most authentic American thing MLS has ever done is make Florida the state with the weirdest teams and Ohio the one with the second weirdest teams. I think that there's something <laughs> that, that's just very like, yes, we understand the country we play in. Yes, we understand who our fan bases could be. Enjoy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I feel you on that one for sure.
1: So, Jeff, I got an eBay related question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's adjacent Great. to eBay. So Are you setting up my, a seller
3: profile? There's an FAQ section. No, 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 no. <laughs> I wish. Okay. Uh,
1: so, so so, my wife's from Edina, so I make my way up to the Twin Cities every now yeah. and then. Yeah, hell yeah. Kinda. And uh, in 2017, yeah. I got my hands on a uh, Mitch Hildebrandt uh, Minnesota United NASL orange T-shirt, t-shirt jersey. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that the collar ended up getting all screwed up so i don't i don't have it anymore okay what are the odds i can get my hands on one of those again one
0: Probably of those
1: <laughs> oh
3: there's a weird like sizable contingent of loons fans who just hold on to this stuff and hope someone asks that question And then they're like, yeah, I'll give it to you. And they're just like way too nice about it. And publicly, they'll be like, you can have it. And sure privately, there's this like $250 and you're over the barrel. So you'll give me your money. Like, I'm sure that there's something really dark about it. But on the surface, it looks so kind, which is Minnesota in a nutshell as well. Um, So I I think you could find one. I think that they were on the Inaria store for a long time. And so United jerseys, t-shirts and the like you might be able to find it there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I just usually will set up like a, an alert for a specific phrase of words. I'm not special. (laughs) I I, (laughs) I use the exact same functionality that you do, man. Um, so I, I think you've got a good chance. I think that there are more people in Minnesota who have that shirt who might think to float it as nostalgia money. Um, than you're giving credit for there's there's a big big community of those long-time lifers in minnesota like a like a few thousand of them so
0: so that that leads me to to this does minnesota united acknowledge their nasl history no no not at all okay
3: no it's 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 unfortunate it really is and i'm not entirely sure why but i'll i'll see if there's more to your question before i go on a tangent about that
0: no that was it because in cincinnati <laughs> There's not much. Uh, they never acknowledge club records. It's always top goal score in MLS and things like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And certainly FCC doesn't have the history that Minnesota did. So I was just curious if it was Dude, different yeah. there. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. They um, no. I mean, it's a shame because like they won trophies in the NASL era and they won't display the trophies, um, <laughs> which makes no it's sense. <laughs> it's like- a trophy, right? Like, why would you rather have an empty trophy case? <laughs> Right. when you have trophies that you legitimately won. Like, it's not even like you're just going to, like, your local sports equipment store and finding, like, replica trophies, <laughs> right? Like, like a That'd fake be... World Cup trophy in Chicago would be hilarious, but... Um...
2: <laughs> Signed by Schweinsteiger. Right, exactly.
3: Yeah, it'd be great. I'd love that.
2: They uh they don't really display a lot of the history here in Cincinnati because mm-hmm. we already have a sizable contingent of fans that are pining for the USL days and we should have never moved oh, up to MLS. No, sure. And so like if they were actually showing off our supporters shield or whatever the hell the equivalent was in ML a USL, yeah. already forgotten. I, I think, think it's the people, same. that would just that would just encourage the take to further continue that we never should have moved up in weight class. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah sure
3: I, I think maybe you should have just worked out more before you moved up a weight class. Or like looked up how to gain weight in a beneficial way instead of just like hitting up the OCB a few times. Yeah, I think. uh, Yeah, it's sad, but true. Um, I I get it. I think that there I I understand specifically if you feel like it's going to be counterproductive, but I do think that American soccer. One of its biggest issues that it's having in terms of actually being able to gain a consistent following is that it doesn't really know how to acknowledge its history in a coherent way. I think that the only reason baseball even clings to as much like notability as it used to have is because of nostalgia It's because of its history, its stats keeping it's you're not watching it to see will Shohei Otani you know do this specific thing this day it's because it's historic because of this context you've been given that he's the next babe ruth or whatever right like like that's the whole thing with baseball nfl nfl films is one of the most incredible documentary machines in the world covering anything the nba is doing incredibly well with its culture while also making it cool to respect the past by like looking at your elders and um, You know, this player reminds me of that and whatever. Like every other league has this sort of cachet of history that MLS, for whatever reason, does not want to acknowledge. They don't want to acknowledge the old NASL from the 60s and 70s. They don't want to acknowledge um, the new NASL, the USL anymore, now that that partnership's done. For whatever reason, it's been and in their own history, I might add. I, I think that occasionally every five years, you'll get the MLS team of the whatever amount of time it's been roster, right? And And you'll get the... The Dwayne De Rosario All-Stars, which is always a really cool moment. Don't get me wrong, but that's really it. There isn't, you know, there isn't like a, a history watch. There isn't like throwback days, which would be really cool. There isn't an acknowledgement of club's past history. If you're talking about the Montreal Impact before they went up the Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders kind of had their their history stripped down a little bit. Um, No matter how much the fans are trying to keep that alive. um, It just hasn't really registered as much. Minnesota United isn't acknowledging their trophies. Orlando City as well. Um, very parallel situation, by the way, to Cincinnati, where you just had like a tremendous amount of success in the other league. And until you build that up, you're kind of shy to bring up the fact that you were doing well in that competition. But I think that context is everything, right? Like the, the USL, was finally getting to a point of stability and sporting merit at the time Cincinnati moved up. They kind of pushed that along. And since he was actually a big part of why now the USL is, um, I don't think it's quite as good as the NASL was at its peak, the the, the modern second NASL, but it's getting there. And I think that they have more clubs. They have a larger roster of clubs who are at that level, certainly um, than they've ever had before in Cincinnati moved The needle in that respect but it is very strange to me when clubs are are being so picky about we don't have that history that all of you remember there's something that's just a little incongruent about that philosophy to me
2: it's funny the one point you made there about you know acknowledging the past and and throwbacks going to the sort of memorabilia aspect Mm -hmm. uh, i've long advocated i think every mls team should have a throwback even teams that didn't exist in the 1990s that they should invent a jersey (laughs) that looks like it would have come from those early first MLS 1.0 kits, like yeah. garish rainbow colors, ridiculous <laughs> logos, and just have one day where everybody wears their fake throwback or their real throwback across the league. Stir up socks. Yeah. <laughs> like, bring, back the run- bring back the running PKs for one day.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that should happen. I think that's – if you're talking about how to get me to actually care about the All-Star game, which is in Minnesota this year, so I have to go. But um, <laughs> Skills Challenge needs the running PKs. Absolutely. It, it screams for it. Like, if you have Geniac going up against Vela for MLS versus Liga MX with a running PK, oh, <laughs> Memo Ochoa on one side, you've got Matt Turner on the other, like, ooh, sign me up. Perfect. They won't do it. But they should. They really, really should. Because I think that that would actually get some MLS fans interested to a greater extent that they're getting with a crossbar challenge or whatever else they're doing these days. So. Yeah. And it I would get it.
0: picked up internationally as well. Like look at this oh, whole yeah. thing, right? Like, They'd
3: want to watch it. It would be a viral clip and then you'd have more pieces. Like there was a think piece on the athletic, like a few weeks ago from our, one of our American based statisticians who mostly works with our UK desk, um, John Muller. And then he wrote a piece about why the running PK shootout needs to come back, not in, in MLS, just globally. Yeah, <laughs> like, It's time. <laughs> like Johan Cruyff, by the end of his time in the NASL, was like, this is better. This is more fair. This Because, like, I was watching a game this weekend. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, And it was a player who truly was just running towards the end line and didn't have a play. There wasn't a cross that he could have centered it to, or a player he could have centered it to for a cross. There wasn't a good angle on goal, and he just kept running, and he got his heel stepped on, and he went to ground. It was a penalty. It's Like, that's a 0.5% chance of leading to a goal. (laughs) <laughs> right, and, right and he's given like essentially like a 77 percent chance of scoring at the end with his teammate taking the penalty like it's just ridiculous so um I don't know I yeah I've fully come <laughs> around on the running PK since Pablo wrote that first piece which <laughs> sounds about right doesn't it yeah
0: yes <laughs> I, I mean if you want I don't know I know uh, MLS interest interest in MLS has been a big thing especially with the the TV ratings being a topic and the media rights deal mm-hmm. coming up um how far off do you think MLS is going to be from where they thought they were going to get an MLS or a TV rights deal say 2 years oh. ago versus what they're getting now
3: I think that they're going to be I mean, we're talking like Richard Dice should put something out and he's the guy who yeah. does sports media. Right. And luckily he works with me so I can just talk about his stuff without <laughs> being all cloak and dagger about it. Uh, but he, you know, estimated like a two to two and a half times multiplier over the current contract is most likely, which is solid. It's like, you know, at that point you're talking 200, 250 million dollars. I think this league genuinely thought it was going to get over half a bill, half a bill with a B. Yeah. Um It's going to be much less than they thought. The ironic thing is the league is better than I think they thought it would be in terms of actual quality and especially in terms of international reputation. Um, I know that there was this whole kerfuffle with Don Garber's like state of the league remarks ahead of the season where he was like, I don't understand why people aren't calling Serie A a retirement league when Zlatan left us to go to AC Milan. And it's just like, one, why are you doing this? <laughs> no, you don't need to take that shot. But two, like, um, the reason is because people are taking MLS more seriously. And so the retirement thing, it's either like, and, and with the Chinese Super League, you know, starting to go under over the last two years, especially, there isn't really that same sort of retirement league out there. Um So I think people are just kind of realizing there's value in MLS. There's realizing that there are young players in MLS who are worth signing and that there are like pre-prime entering prime American players who are actually worth signing. Um, You know, like Paul Ariola and Jordan Morris went to Swansea a year and a half ago. And of course, it didn't really work out for either of them, but they went right. And that was kind of the indicator that like a player who is good, not best 11 level in MLS is still an interesting player in other parts of the world. That's a sign of respect that means yep. that they rate your league highly enough that your second tier of players your third tier of players still look like good pickups um because that was if i recall early in january it wasn't like a deadline day panic or anything like that right. um right. like like people kind of presume with austin trusty which is its own thing with the cronky sports entertainment okay. um so if i can just...
2: ask so if i can ask then why is there a disconnect in in your view what what's the disconnect between the men's national team does good ratings You look at Premier League in the morning, it does good ratings, ostensibly on cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. MLS does terrible ratings by comparison to that. Where has been the disconnect with MLS where you see some of these ratings for national broadcasts on broadcast television averaging Mm -hmm. in the 300,000s of viewers, getting beaten by infomercials in some cases. Where is the disconnect with MLS finding viewers? Because obviously that's going to be a big driver of why the Mm -hmm. TV deal is going to be so much less than they thought they were going to get.
3: Have you ever been watching ESPN when an MLS commercial comes on? Or Fox Sports 1 or any of these networks that have MLS? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, so you... So you It's you... fine.
2: It's not, it's not... It doesn't make the league is look it? exciting.
3: Is I it? Think... I don't think it is. I think that... I think you watch those commercials and usually it's, here is a group of fans yelling, but you can't hear what they're yelling. So they're yeah. just yelling. And then <laughs> they're waving flags. But because of the art design, for whatever reason, they're grayscale. And so you can't really even see what the crowds are going to look like because it just looks like it's like a mob of people walking down the street in protest of something, which is good. (laughs) Protest if you want, but that's not a soccer game. You're not selling me a soccer game at this point. You're selling me a crowd atmosphere. And if that's the case, then you're trying to sell me tickets. You're not trying to sell me TV viewership. You're rarely showing me more than a half second of a goal. So I don't know the quality of play. I know that once a guy in MLS connected on the shot really cleanly and got his laces through it. But I don't really know that the level of play has gotten better than 10 years ago when I was watching Landon Donovan play against the Houston Dynamo reserves who were starting for Houston that day. Like I just, I truly have no idea what the level of play of this league is. I don't know who the star personalities are. You aren't telling me at a national sports fan level. So let's just say I'm someone I'm watching ESPN. Right. And I am I I don't really care what's on. Like, I'm going to stick around for whatever college softball or baseball you throw on because those ratings are always better than MLS. Right. Um, I'm going to watch the American Cornhole League, which gets better ratings than MLS (laughs) on ESPN, too. Right. Um, I don't really care. I just want to be entertained. But if you are constantly not showing me why am I investing in this league? Why am I interested in this? Why am I who are the players that I'm watching? Who it's it's never quite the same thing as like, oh, the Reds just traded everyone. I don't have a good parallel. It's like Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going and taking on um, you know, seriously, the Reds traded everybody.
2: But but I mean, isn't that (laughs) isn't that going back to your point too about like you said NFL films earlier, which I agree with. NFL films is is somehow underrated as
3: oh i agree i watch so much of their stuff
2: oh growing up when i was a kid i'd take (laughs) sick days and watch hours of nfl films in the afternoon on espn and what they do is they make stars and they tell you who the stars are they tell you who the people you should care about are and so that when a game comes on on sunday there's an entire generation of people the nba is great about this too right now where there are fans that don't root for teams they root for players they I want to watch because Dame Lillard is playing. I want to watch because LeBron is playing. I want to watch for Carl Anthony Towns is playing. Oh, yeah, Um, totally. Why is MLS so bad at developing stars? Um, Because by the time they're actually stars, they're gone.
3: And if they're in the league, there's a perception that they're no longer stars. So this is where we do get into like the what is fan perception compared to what's reality and what is international soccer's perception of the league. I think that if you were going to ask an average club executive in the Eredivisie in Holland, that's my dog who just doesn't want to go outside, even though it's a sunny day and is just singing about it. Come on, buddy. Come on. Go, go, go. There you go. Um, I told him to go out while I was muted. He didn't want to. He just wanted me to embarrass myself and make an ass of myself on this podcast. Okay. Good boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, the difference is if you ask the average air Divisie club executive, like a chief sporting officer or whatever, of Wilhelm II, a real team, and you were to ask, what do you think of MLS? You know, like, oh, some good players. Yeah, still some, you know, still some oddities in the roster rules. Oh, I could never, and he's probably heard something from Gerard and Ron where he would
2: never work there.
3: Right. But Probably fair. Um, right, probably well, certainly fair.
2: wouldn't sing karaoke there.
3: Yes, yeah, certainly wouldn't. No, open up a dance floor on the locker room and type the mic. Um, yeah, probably not. Probably not. But – you would say you know there are a lot of players there who could transfer to the Division. If you ask Liga Nos in Portugal, you'd get the same sort of response. If you get the English Championship, the Premier League, any league in the world at this point is gonna isn't won't be like MLS, right? Which would have been one of the reactions about ten years ago. Um, fans haven't changed that reaction, but they also haven't been told to pay attention to club soccer by better American sports media. And when I say better, I guess I mean broader. I'm talking Colin Cowherd. I'm talking. First take, I'm talking um, Sports Center, even to an extent, even though no one really watches Sports Center to the same amount that they were watching in the 90s and 2000s. But just your general sports fan is not fed soccer in their appetite unless it's a World Cup year. And then at that point, it is well, it's America, <laughs> so I'm going to support my boys and my girls. I'm going to learn who these players are. I'm going to assume that Tim Howard's the best goalkeeper in the world, full stop. I am going to Whatever, because we're Americans and we're always the best at every sport. So we're going to we're going to back our team. Um, and then when they lose, it's a shame because they don't understand. Like they, they have no idea how difficult, um, you know, their matchup against Belgium could be because all they're told is Belgium has four million people. and the world's largest electronic dance festival in a Volkswagen commercial. And so um, they assume <laughs> that they should have won that game. Rather than looking and saying, "Okay, well, Belgium—it's a golden generation, and we have players coming up at Chelsea and Man U, and da 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 da." So, I think that there's a level of sophistication that American sports media outside of soccer writers aren't giving it. Um, where, as a result, fans don't know that it's getting better in this country. They don't understand that it's—it's it's a viable product that I, they you know, like as you talk about the ratings in the Premier League, they know it's not that level. They know it's not the best league in the world. They don't realize it's the seventh best and they don't realize that's impressive. <laughs> like they have no idea that that's a good thing to be. Seventh best league in the world sounds awful to the average American sports fan. Like you, you wouldn't get the same sort of buy into the NHL if you were told that there were six better leagues than the NHL in Europe. You just wouldn't get that sort of buy in okay. So um, it's a perception issue. It's a it's it, it's MLS's relationship with its broadcast partners. Not getting pregame shows on ESPN is such a strange look to me for a nationally televised game. Um, for MLS Cup, I don't even think they had a post match. Really, I'm pretty sure that they had NYCFC holding the trophy and then they cut away to something else. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, that's, that's... when
2: when USA Mexico was broadcast, even mm-hmm. we talk about the men's national team, they didn't have a pregame show for that either. They went directly that's from right. a college basketball game, and they were ready to kick off the game didn't do anything right um about their scheduling no it's so my question then is that did mls miss its opportunity before the media in this country balkanized to a certain extent Mm -hmm. when everybody was watching sports center when media rights deals were higher because of uh before the cord cutting movement did they miss a window that is irreparably gone now to educate american sports consumers about the league and about soccer
3: i i I think if it's not true, it's certainly an intriguing theory. I, I subscribe to it. I think that it's, it's harder than ever to get a casual sports fan to care about something that isn't already in their consumption diet. I think in general, with how long we've been at home in particular, we have our routines, our habits, our shorthands, our bookmarks, um, where as a result of that, we're not going to um, – we're not going to have the same sort of curiosity about new leagues. You know, like, yes, there was that first push – in june 2020 when sports were slowly coming back and you had like the korean baseball league, and everyone was just the biggest korean baseball league yes. fan in their friend group right like yeah. everyone was yeah exactly like like there are moments but they're never really positive moments right where you get that same sort of desperation and curiosity to fill your time and your interests um I think that at this point, if people like soccer, it's because they like the Premier League, they like international, they have a favorite team that they've grown up with, or they play the FIFA video game. And if you play the FIFA video game, MLS is one of the worst leagues to try to operate in. <laughs> uh, it sucks. It's so bad. And I'll, I'm a football manager guy, I'll throw that into. MLS is impossible to play in football manager. Sorry, Al Clark. Love your product. Love all the work you do in North American programming. Unplayable, <laughs> truly unplayable because you'll play like two months as sporting Kansas city because you're trying to like become the head coach of the national team and build up a good Academy that already has good funding for the Academy the game. And then in two months, they're like, Hey, you ran into roster rules issues. Guess you're going to cut Graham Zusi and he's going to go for free and play and, some second division league in Europe now as a free transfer. Like it's just, it makes no sense. And in FIFA, it's just, there's no rules. There's no continuity. So people don't really know what the league is because the version that they're most fed is FIFA is football manager. Does anyone play eFootball pro evolution no. soccer now? Anyway. No. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Great. Um, they're getting a bastardized worse than version of the league. It hasn't caught up. And it's kind of impossible to replicate. I, I'll i be honest with you. I've, I've been following MLS very, very closely for over 15 years now. I've, as first a fan, and then as the general fan, I didn't have a team at the time. I kind of said the Whitecaps, but you know, they weren't good. <laughs> um, and, um, Feel you there. <laughs> right, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and, and so first as a fan and then now as a writer or whatever you call me now, um, jackass. And so I think that, um, it hasn't kept up. I love I, I love what the league is and all of its issues and all of its oddities and quirks and qualities. And, and there's good and bad with it. There's something that makes it very unique but makes it very fun to cover. When people ask, would you rather cover the Premier League? I always say no. I would rather cover Major League Soccer. And that's for a whole host of reasons. But um, I don't think I'd play the MLS video game. <laughs> I think <laughs> is my point. If you could program me a video game where I have to build a soccer team, I'm looking for a lower difficulty setting. And I'm asking where was step one, where I don't have to deal with all of this nonsense. Like (laughs) I I would look for that. So I don't blame consumers, but if you have a product that is impossible for the average, even soccer fan to wrap their heads around. The number of times I have some of my UK colleagues send me a DM asking what the hell is the allocation order. And I have to like <laughs> kind of walk them through and be like, like, okay, well there's this American player, Tim Ream is, you know, like maybe there's a chance if Fulham does get promoted, he would go back to MLS. And like, then he would have to go through this. Like, it's just a mess. And no one wants to deal with right. it, and I
2: don't blame <laughs> them. Then, then, then once you get by the allocation order, it's like, let me talk to you about Gam, Tam, and Chitty Don <laughs> right. Bucks now.
3: Yeah, like, like, if you thought that was fun, let me, let me sell you on the third round of the MLS Super Draft. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so I don't necessarily blame them, but I think that people... By and large, the average basketball fan that I talk to don't like the direction of the NBA. They, they think that it's gotten very homogenized. They think that it's every team is trying to play the same way. And so therefore it's just, you have one of the best 10 players at that specific role. If you don't, you're fucked. Um, yeah. What they love about the NBA is the year round nature of it, the off season, the, yeah, yeah. the, the roster rules. They're pretty easy to comprehend. Yes, there's the soft cap, hard cap, the mid-level, right. whatever bird rights, but you get most of it, right? And they have these terms where it's at least easy to get. Oh, Larry Bird, oh, we love Larry Legend 33, whatever, right? Like, (laughs) you can wrap your head around this shit, right? MLS, there's no mechanism. No, There's truly nothing like it. MLS soccer writers do their damnedest to be able to continue the education process while also trying to be the first stop for people getting into the league. The Athletic tries very hard, um, you know, with our staff. To be continuing to talk in these terms, to get these normalized, to get these um, a bigger part of it, because frankly, more people understand it, the more people read us (laughs) like it's right because then we'll sound like we get it. And so the the hard part is no one cares. I I think that the average American (laughs) sports fan, if they're told you could follow the seventh best league in the world, but first... You have to understand all of these rules and you have to understand why your team only has three players that you think would be playing for your favorite team in Europe. Or you can just follow your team in Europe and not worry about that stuff. Of course, they're going with that product. Of course they are. I would, right? Right. Like I don't blame them whatsoever. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's it's a big issue of they started too late, but they could have never known that. They could have never known how the internet would have taken um consuming entertainment and viewership and the cord cutting and all of this stuff they could have never foreseen this in 1995 as they were finalizing the details of this league right fair play to them 1991 when they won the World Cup like when they would have needed to know MLS was going to be born in the next five years um they could have never predicted the direction of it but to your point uh yeah I think that it is kind of irreparable you can't really recreate the 90s and 2000s and I don't think many of us would want that um <laughs> So what do you do then, right? And, and so the hard part is, how are you able to get people more into it? How are you able to get people um, to take that sort of interest and curiosity? And unfortunately, with with this generation, like you said, it's a good thing sometimes. People are more interested in the players than the teams, because um, you buy more jerseys of the same player, if not the same team. The flip side of it, though, is when Zlatan leaves the Galaxy, those fans are gone. Right. And and they're not going to stick around because they're curious how Efren Alvarez's career is going to pay. <laughs> so it's frustrating, right? And it, it, it's, it's cyclical. It's kind of impossible to keep at the same level. I don't blame Dallas for what they're doing, kind of just being an academy with a first team. Um, yep. But it, it's in a weird spot, man. It's it's in a really really weird <laughs> spot, and it, it's kind of difficult to see the way to get out of the spot that they're in right now, but. Um, that's why I'm not running the direction of the league. Cause <laughs> if I had that answer, I'd, I'd be trying <laughs> or a pro or
2: a pro relit on Twitter. whatever. <laughs> right. Obviously that'll fix everything. Well, uh, they have the answers. Uh, Ted Westerveld. From a, uh,
0: from a media perspective, do you think, uh, it hurts or helps MLS that so much of its coverage is from itself. It feels like everybody who covers the league worked for the league and most of the, the, the news generation is from the league itself. Is that keeping it afloat in terms of media coverage or is that holding it back from, I don't know, the honest criticism that could drive it forward?
3: It's so funny. Cause I'm now I'm thinking in it like of the seven of us, cause Matt Pence just left, but I still think of him as one of my colleagues of the seven of us who cover major league soccer, six of us freelance for MLS at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Felipe Cardenas for being the only abstainer. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. And by the way, they do really good stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. get enough credit. Cause like fans will like pick on them. And of course, if you're covering from a national perspective, this is something that's unique. Um, and we were joking about this before we were recording about like, you know, being like, like how often it happens where I hop on a podcast and it'll be like just random USL or MLS team. And the last, who's who's really impressed you the last few weeks from my team. It's like, I haven't had time. I probably haven't <laughs> watched, especially if you just booked me this morning, I did not have time to watch your team's last three games and tell you that Matt Boehner starting left back of El Paso locomotive really impressed
1: me. There we go. Cincinnati guy. Cincinnati, love. Cincinnati native. Legend. Uh, <laughs> Last person I saw at a bar pre-COVID No shit Aww. Yeah, I saw him at a Mescal bar down the street from my house
3: <laughs> He's a Mescal guy Good for him Good for you too, by the way I'm a Mescal guy as well
2: um, He played that way when he was here <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Right? Uh, but, but the hard part is When you're not in that market And this is actually spoken to someone who's gone from being A local beat writer to a national writer you don't have the capability to be that same level. So of course there are going to be times where you're like, they're hyping up a guy who was really good last year. It isn't good for us this year. They clearly haven't watched his first 10 games. They've watched two or three of them. That's pretty good. I, you know, like I, I will watch three or four MLS games every weekend. I feel like, papa john saying that right now uh but <laughs> like and it's not it's not a sexy it's not this amazing like oh like this you know like this just the tortured brilliance of this mind who is just <laughs> watching clockwork orange style every mls game like i don't i don't i will admit it most of us can't can't do it there's not even a don't it's just a can't um with what our job is but the flip side of it is that they are able to educate, let's say a Philly fan is wondering how Pat Noonan's doing this year. They can get a broad strokes glimpse without having to be bogged down in the minutia of, well, this player hasn't been performing well at left wing for 30 minute shifts. And as a result, we've been bad late in games, right? Like you don't necessarily need that for some of the conversation. I think that they do really well with that. I think that they do really well with reporting and I, I can say I know that it always looks a little like MLS hockey reporter really like they are reporting it like big credit to Tom Bogart hard-working dude absolute grinder um Matt Doyle still read his stuff a lot Andrew Wiebe I read his stuff a lot like it's <laughs> these are my dudes too like when we're in the same market we'll break bread like it, it's a good time they have a very thankless hard job because there aren't MLS fans there's no one who's going to actually be in their there's corner. No, there's and, no like, Rob Lowe at the game. There's no Rob the Lowe, right, logo right. <laughs> Like, I would love, love, like, I was covering an MLS Super Draft in, I think, 2017, and they had these big, like, gray heather with white MLS logos, huge. The whole thing is an MLS logo, and I picked up two, because I like, this is hilarious. Like, no one has MLS merch, and so I just took two, and, and I still wear it sometimes. Like, it's, it's a, like, I want... What I want this year at the MLS All Star game in St. Paul at Allianz Field is I want just an MLS <laughs> I just want this synergy. Like we need it after
2: the last few years. And- if you stump for FC Cincinnati or for Cincinnati to host the MLS All Star Game, I mm-hmm. guarantee you we will get an MLS chant going at that game. I will make that a personal promise.
3: You'll get it the next two or three years. It's a new stadium. Um, that's all they. Do. That's all they do. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm
0: just, yeah
2: it, it'll I'm be just more impressed that you watch two to three MLS games a week, and that well. wasn't a Heineken I saw you drinking right there. You somehow no. be immune to the advertising.
3: <laughs> it's fun that way, though. I mean, like, it's it's everywhere, right? But. I think that there's there's, there's still a certain level of it where you you have to keep an independence from it. I I think that, um, you know, like when, when, when Minnesota United, I was still a fan freelance podcaster at the time when they went to major league soccer and I made a conscious decision, like very different team. They're only going to bring about four players who are even going to be squad guys. I mean, you know how this goes, right? Like you, right. you bring up nine, but five of them hardly play unless something went really wrong or it's the U.S. Open Cup, which most MLS teams would say is something horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> like, you know, you, you have those players. It's the same crest. But it's a different stadium. It's a different coach. It's mostly a different roster. It's a different fan, It's a different league. So, like, I, I dissociated my fandom at that time. Um, and for career reasons, it was a great decision. Um, from enjoyment of sport... <laughs> Sometimes my enjoyment goes down a little bit, I will admit. But I I think that um, there is a little bit of agnosticism necessary on that front. But it's still a fun watch. I think the thing is, people – I'm also an AFC – board. I am an AFC board fan. The championship's a hard watch. sometimes (laughs) a very very difficult watch when people are saying that this league is worse than the championship they haven't really watched the championship they've just watched the promotion final between fulham and norwich right like you've seen kind of the 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 next level upper crust stuff or you've seen brentford go and be a competitive team from day one so you in the premier league so you assume okay well then that whole league is pretty good like no mls is better than the championship at this point but um you know, to the original point though, like the the MLS soccer guys, is it problematic? I don't think it's problematic that they cover it. Every league has their own riders, MLB has them, NFL has them, right? What, what you could see as a sign of a bad trend is that very few outlets have tried to compete with right. MLS's own riders. Right. Um, it hasn't been consistent. It hasn't been um, you know, the the investment, the influence, you know, people talk about Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be like the only publication that's really gone out of its way to hire more than two or three American soccer writers, right? We had Um, had Mike
2: Watts on the show last week and he was talking about just how difficult it is to find coverage of NYCFC from local New York media even.
3: Yep. Oh, absolutely. They're struggling in the big markets. Most of all, I think, I think that they've got Kevin Baxter in LA doing yeoman's work to cover those two teams. Um, But yeah, there is a difficulty. There is something that's been, Inherently difficult to get a foothold in New York, both in terms of media coverage. But I think also if you're talking about stadiums, that's really plain as day, isn't it? Like we know that New York City is still very far from getting their own stadium, right? Um, they have a great know. championship
2: banner now, though. I saw that. Oh,
3: fantastic, <laughs> love it. It's uh, the it is your birthday of title banners. Yeah, <laughs> incredible stuff by whoever designed that. Um, but that's just it, right? No one cared. Like, right. NYCFC wasn't like, we can't show that, which you
2: shouldn't. But, no, not <laughs> Like, you all. shouldn't show that, right? Like, you should protest. Your some, own some, someone bit. should have, at some point in the decision-making along the way, should have been, we need to rethink this a little bit before we Maybe show it to the public.
0: Maybe
2: we can blow it up a little bit. Yeah,
3: right? Put, it, like, put a big
0: one up on the day of, hang the little one up <laughs> for the rest of the season, right? Like, That's right, yeah. <laughs>
3: and no one would notice, because the TV, you won't, like, Yes Network isn't going to cut away and show the little one. <laughs> in like week seven or whatever, right? So you just have to get the first one. And once you get the first impression, whatever. It's up to the imagination. Uh, That's uh, so smart. You're right. That would have been the better plan.
0: (laughs) Jeff, you've been uh, so gracious with your time. So I I don't want to take up too much of your your life here. I've got, I mean, (laughs) I could keep going, but I- Listen, uh... man,
3: it's your show. I would never record an episode that's over an hour. But if you want to on this podcast, I've had two (laughs) podcasts. Like I wouldn't. If you want to, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm still drinking. It's great.
0: I, at some point, uh, I will run into uh, my mother's patience with uh, our two kiddos <laughs> upstairs. So um, <laughs> fair play, fair play. Yeah, I—that's uh, the I, real podcast producer. Oh, well, well, Jeff, I'll, I'll end it with this one. Um, why didn't you consider FC Cincinnati's fans' feelings when you broke the news that Nashville would be going to MLS? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um because i knew how the 2018 usl playoffs were gonna go and i thought it was important to stoke a rivalry between the two teams before a game that was that close
0: Ah, uh, our last happy memories <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, no. they'll come back eventually right law of averages and all that (laughs) Jeff thank you so much Uh, you've been great this has been great and um, we'll have to come up with an excuse to uh, have you back on sometime because this is a ton of fun yeah anytime guys Oh, thank you again to Jeff that was a fantastic conversation and Brenner on loan to Portugal it's such a specific recommendation but such a perfect recommendation I think this guy knows what he's talking about Uh, so uh, part three we're gonna hit a couple of uh, random things and guys this one is near and dear to my heart The FC Sensei subreddit, I have posted any number of articles and things to that subreddit over the years, and every single time I post something that I am in some way, shape, or form affiliated with, it is immediately, no, it is a half an hour, an hour later after I post it banned. I got so mad with the subreddit, I've decided to do a non-stop, all-out posting onslaught on the subreddit i don't know chief what's your take on the uh the fc cincinnati subreddit moderation team
2: i, I just think it's really funny that your response to the subreddit being over moderated was to take steps to make it better and post more <laughs> interesting content for people to rely to to read and react to um no it's a it's a joke it's it's a joke because this team is so starved for and this fan base is so starved for things to talk about, for discussion, for things that build the community of fans. It's a dwindling number of people that are showing up at the games. It's a dwindling number of people that you're seeing in the bailey. And to me, if you thought that you were on some great idealistic crusade to keep a subreddit readable and keep the shit posting to a minimum, abandon fucking ship. Just <laughs> if anyone is talking about this team for any reason. It's a good thing. Um, the idea that someone is sitting there at a computer and actively sitting and moderating a, re- a subreddit for an MLS franchise in the Midwest and thinking, "No, this doesn't play," but yes, this meets my criteria. That's the saddest fucking mental image I've had all week. That this is somebody's day, thinking to themselves that they are making a, a subreddit more readable by filtering content. Fuck off. Seriously. More content. I want more memes, more shit posting. I want more more dumb lineups. I want more MS Paint jerseys. Give it all to me. I want more content. More.
0: <laughs> Grayson, am I uh am I a crazy person for uh for thinking the FC Cincinnati subreddit should have uh interesting content from people in the fan base? <laughs> no, I think that is really
1: the post trademark is uh uh pointing out that stuff sucks and then getting back at it by making it better and you know i sat down one day and i thought you know nobody has any like you know alternative history slash uh (laughs) futurist speculative fiction about about where fc is going in the march of neoliberalism that our country is on and um you know, *Deprived pride and guard six coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: I, I think that the post official motto is, is it good content? Maybe, but it's certainly interesting.
0: <laughs> That's hey, baby. There was, there was a void and we filled it. And I will say on a slightly more serious note, I will not name a single name and I will not point to any evidence. Cause I probably don't have any, but I think we solved the problem we sought out to solve where, where we we pushed certain people, certain things in certain directions, and I think everything has worked out for the best.
1: Perfect post content either makes you say, damn writer, huh?
0: Uh-huh. Wait, somebody, somebody took time to do that? Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? The, the best content Why? is the one where the first comment questions how much free time you have. That's <laughs> always... That's how you know you did it right. <laughs> Grayson, uh, this week was the uh, the World Cup draw. And even though uh, what I think we have, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams are still in the running for the three spots. They did the draw anyway. Was your favorite part drawing Iran or the 45 minutes of dancing before the draw? Uh,
1: definitely drawing Iran Um, because for me that's a win-win situation you know no matter no matter how that game ends i'll be happy it's either revenge for american foreign policy for the 20th century or you know the soccer team i like gets to move on yikes (laughs) sorry sorry unlike
2: some people on this podcast i want to win i want to (laughs) beat iran that i want democracy to prevail everywhere on the foreign policy, on the soccer field,
1: that has not America always to... been U.S. policy toward Iran. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out, They've not I... always been so warm on democracy there. Look, look, all I know
2: is that I see two paths here: one is supporting Iran and the terrorists, and one is supporting America. I choose to support America. That's the all other gonna... terrorists.
1: <laughs> wow. Let's
2: let's. I always have to keep reminding myself, too, that the World Cup is being played in November. My brain just, every time I think about this, my dumb brain expects the World Cup to be in the summer. I'm already mentally preparing for players to leave, for the league to go on pause. But no, it's going to be in the middle of the wintertime or the start of the wintertime. The only benefit of this, which I think is fucking incredible, is that we're going to get the United States versus England on the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, 2 p.m. Beautiful. You want to talk about what was the, the rigged draw in all this. It was getting the most made-for-TV matchup you can possibly get in group stage on a day that the majority of Americans have either off work or they're on reduced workload. Not at 5 in the morning or 9 in the morning, but right in the middle of the day. They will be carrying people out of bar out of the bars on stretchers. That's how drunk <laughs> people are going to get for this game. And I'm beyond here for it. You're going to have people that don't usually watch soccer watching and invested in this game because it is the perfect excuse to get the fuck away from your family after spending all day with them on Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a big event. I have to go literally anywhere else but my home and go watch this and consume an excessive amount of alcohol. It's going to be fucking glorious. And I
1: can't wait. I can't wait to watch it on a giant big screen TV that i paid twenty dollars and had to kill somebody for
0: <laughs> it's good it's uh you know it's the, it's, the american it, it, tradition
2: the, the tv hits different when you trampled another human at best buy in order to secure it
0: you gotta play the but you gotta pay the blood price for that discount <laughs> yeah it's the it's the sense of satisfaction you see uh the, the sense of achievement seeing it up on your wall um Chief, correct me if I'm wrong. Black Friday, not a big sports day in uh, in the American sports world. It's an underutilized day, I think.
2: Underutilized day, you'll get a little bit of college football in the evening. It is feast week, where you'll get a ton of college basketball on those non-exempt mm. tournaments. So um, sometimes the Chief ventures out to Indiana for uh, Thanksgiving just so <laughs> that we can make some sports wagering, which... Also, uh fuck the state of Ohio. That law went into effect for sports gambling on April 1st and we still can't place a fucking wager in this state because it's run by corrupt motherfuckers. Uh but no, the gambling is is at peak uh during the Thanksgiving break on Thanksgiving Day with the NFL and then on that Saturday where you get some of the best college football matchups. But that Friday, Friday's wide open, baby. There is a there is a there is a US there is a revolutionary war sized hole. In my sports viewing lineup, please fill it with soccer and booze.
0: Oh, I've uh, I've always had the take that Black Friday should be the U.S. Open Cup final day. That that should be the day that U.S. soccer tries to peg it to the calendar. And uh, I didn't even mean for that to be a segue, but also if we're gonna hey. talk rigged draws. Uh, Grayson, uh, and again, I'm only going to refer to you as Grayson until I learn otherwise. Um, <laughs> if you could rig the U S open cup draw for FC Cincinnati's first round opponent or the first round FCC will be a part of it. Uh, who would you pick and why?
1: Uh, Louisville. No, I, <laughs> no, yes, no, yes. no, no, just, no, no, no. I care about, I care about the rivalry. Um, and I
0: think this. Do they still have, like, Corbin Bone? They do have Corbin yeah. Bone. Yeah, um, so come on. Let's go see Anthony no, Keyes
1: play one more game.
0: No, no you know what I want <laughs> this game to
2: happen? I want this game to happen in, like, two or three years when we've had a chance to undo all the roster bullshit from the last two years. I love the rivalry so much, I fear playing it. I've said this before, <laughs> that the only truly must-win game in FC Cincinnati history was the U.S. Open Cup versus Detroit City. Because in that game, I personally talked an inordinate amount of shit to anyone that would listen online <laughs> about how awful Detroit City was. I, was. I was clowning on them for using unpaid interns as soccer players. I was making fun of every single one of those spooky skeleton motherfuckers. I had people calling my job, my legit job, asking to speak to me because, from Detroit because they were pissed off at how mad I was making them online. And the thought of losing that game was terrifying. When we went down early in that <laughs> game, I swear to God, I almost melted into a puddle and just left the stadium through the, the, the fucking earth. Um, <laughs> I can't mentally handle losing to Louisville. I mean, we lost a game to them in preseason where their fucking, their kit man scored, and that was bad enough. The idea of losing to them in the Open Cup, nope, nope, don't want it for a bit. Give me Pittsburgh, give me Indy, give me anyone but fucking Louisville. I don't want it. No, sir. No, sir. I don't <laughs> like it.
0: <laughs> um, in addition to Corbin Bone, they also have one Tyler Gibson and still playing Niall McCabe. Oh let's, go, oh, 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 let's go, baby. Let's go. God damn it. You're going to make me change uh, my mind. Can we, sign can, him. Can, we,
2: can we bring GB in for just that game? That would be electric.
0: Uh... It is the five-year anniversary of the team. I, it's a good enough reason for me, right? Yeah, bring
2: GBN to FCC2, get him a couple of reps in there, and just in case, just in case we draw them in the open cup. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't even have to start. He just needs to glare at McCabe from across the field and just do one of these with his teeth like the Iceman from Top Gun. Do the <laughs>
0: <laughs> Grayson, oh, my gosh. Very quickly, we need this Portland update. What is happening in Portland the domestic violence saga continues.
1: All right. So I guess there's two quick updates. One is um, Andy Polo's ex-partner has settled her case against Portland Timbers for undisclosed amount. That case um, continues against uh, Andy Polo, but the the main effect of that for our purposes is that there's not going to be depositions. There's not going to be a discovery. People aren't going to be reading, you know, Merritt Paulson's emails where he instructs Gavin Wilkinson to try to get this person not to press charges or or whatever. (laughs) Allegedly, maybe, presumably. (laughs) Um, The other thing that happened was the uh, anthem singer uh, for the Portland Timbers game wore a You Knew t-shirt to sing the anthem, which at this point, it's not exactly clear which thing they knew she is talking about. Because there are so many things that Portland knew <laughs> in so many different contexts. And, and what I thought was most remarkable about this is uh, having an anthem singer who actually knows things about the team. Um, so to me, the,
2: the real question here is, uh, and you'll know this, Grayson, because I haven't been following this as closely as you, have the Timbers Army walked out of a game yet in protest?
1: I don't know for a fact, but I guarantee you they have not.
2: Okay, so no. fuck the Timbers' army. That's all I have yep. to say on this topic. Fuck yep. them.
0: Their their current protest is instructing members not to buy concessions during games. The I was protesting is... all last season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought I brought fruit snacks in my pockets of my uh, jacket was... this last home game. So
2: so so what I... kind of protest was Jonah making when he brought the cup every year to get the free every <laughs> game to make the free refill?
0: That was that was that's what got Jeff fired, guys. That's was they were missing some soda sales and it just wasn't up to par
1: Jonah was protesting Ron's firing. He thought he thought he thought he was out due process.
0: Oh man. Oh guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening, dear listener. And um I'll be back next week.